I want to invite you into a story in scripture that is real in history and that is rooted in the death and the resurrection, the ascension, present rule of, and real presence of Jesus now. At different points in this story found in Acts 3, I'm going to invite you to respond with me. I will say, glorify the Lord with me. And I invite you to respond with, let us exalt his name together. Let's practice this. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. One day, Peter and John, followers of Jesus, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Gold or silver, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate. But Pilate had decided to let Jesus go. You disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked that a murderer be released to you. 
you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. Glorify the Lord with me. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is the name of Jesus and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, you and I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, Jesus, the Son of God. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for opening the word for us, and thank you, worship team, also for leading us in worship. My name is Andrew, and it's my pleasure this morning to unfold this passage very briefly for us. I'm, what we're going to do is very simple. We're going to make four observations of things that we see in this story, and then we're going to come to this communion table, share communion together, and then Pastor Andrea will lead us into the next segment of our service. When it comes to the question of, of healing and of praying for healing, there's not a doubt in my mind that there are many questions in this room, questions in our own mind. This is a deep issue for many of us. And I want to encourage us this morning as we enter into this passage, I want to say this, your questions are really important. And I want to invite you to take those questions and, and kind of put them on the table because we don't want to let our questions harden us or a posture of skepticism harden us to what it is that God might want for you this morning, to what it is that he might want to invite you into this morning. So we're going to dive into Acts 3, the story that was just read for us. If you have a Bible, I invite you to have it open before you. We always encourage that here. And if you don't, uh, or if you don't know how to find your way in a Bible yet, you can use one of the Pew Bibles and you can find our passage on page 884. We're going to be referring to it as we go through and make observations. First observation I want to make this morning is as we see this story of Peter and John coming into the, the, the temple, the broader context of what is going on here is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the context for this healing and for every healing in the New Testament. 
When we enter this story in this part of the Bible, we're actually opening the book, um, you know, halfway, even more than halfway through. And what we need to remember is what's come before in the story. Who are Peter and John? What were they doing at the temple? Why on earth would they tell a man who had never walked before in his life to get up and walk? Why would they do this? We need to remember that they were disciples. They were students of this man named Jesus from Nazareth. They were apprentices of him. And and what we learn in the New Testament is that they had lived with Jesus for three years. Jesus had, had said to them, follow me. And they started following him and they watched him, and he would teach them and teach people, and they were always with him, their eyes on Jesus, watching him, listening to him. And now I want you to picture yourself in Peter and John's shoes, okay? Imagine you're one of Jesus' disciples. And on any given day, when Jesus would go into a town to teach, what do you think you hear Jesus say? What, do Peter, what did Peter and John hear Jesus say? You're watching him. He's addressing people. What's he saying? Is he, is he talking about the golden rule? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Is he rebuking the serious religious people? Is, is he healing someone? Or is he sharing a, a parable, one of these obscure stories? Is he talking about plants and seeds or cups and sheep? What's he saying? He might be saying some of those things, and indeed he did say those things. But all of these teachings, everything that Jesus did and taught, were part of a larger theme that often gets overlooked. So what was Jesus' basic message? Uh, What was the one thing that was always on his lips? In Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, we read this. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And this is really a statement of intent. This is the statement of what Jesus is now going to do for the rest of the gospel. It says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. What's Jesus' gospel? His gospel is, folks, it's time. It's time the kingdom of God, the rule of God has come near. I am bringing God's reign near to you. Everywhere he went, this was the message. And everything he did was about unfolding the implications of this message. Everything he taught was about explaining the implications that the kingdom of God has come near. One of my favorite preachers, Daryl Johnson, puts it this way. He said, it was time for God to move in a new and unprecedented way. History has reached a major crisis point and in Jesus, this decisive moment for the fulfillment of God's purposes has begun. 
It's now time for heaven to invade earth. It's now time for God's future to to spill into the present. In and because of Jesus of Nazareth, the glorious rule of God, which had been thought to come at the end of history, is now breaking into the middle of history. I could get an amen there. I could, I could have gotten a thousand amens for that one. And when the kingdom of God does this, when the future reign of God, which will be complete and over all earth, breaks into the present moment, things that are broken get put back together. It's just what happens. And Jesus responds to people with the authority he has as the king of the kingdom and the compassion he has as the God who is love takes on flesh and is embodied and moves around in a broken world announcing this kingdom. So here are Peter and John. They've been with Jesus. They've seen him die, seen him rise from the dead, seen him ascend into heaven, and they've now been sent by Jesus to continue his work of preaching, of announcing the kingdom, to continue his work of teaching, explaining the kingdom, to continue his work of healing, doing the kingdom. That's why they tell this man who had never walked, I say to you, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Healing happens in the context of the kingdom. Observation number two. In this story, the unexpected happens. This man was brought to the temple by people who knew him, and this was just what he had done for a huge part of his life. He went there to beg for money. That was the only way he he could earn a, a living. And when he sees Peter and John, he asks them, it's clear in the context, um, when he looks to them, he's looking for something, it says, and the something he's looking for is, is money. But what he gets is something he absolutely did not expect. He gets something of, of way more worth than what he thought he, he needed. He gets new legs. And we come this morning, similarly, in this room, we come with different expectations. Some of us maybe have no expectations. Some of us probably have an idea of what we think we need. And I simply want to say to you this morning that the one uh, who knows us, that Jesus, truly knows what we need. And, And when we come to him, the unexpected happens if you come forward for prayer later the unexpected will happen be open to Jesus coming in and doing something that you couldn't have even imagined observation number three the healing in this story happens because of Jesus's power not because of Peter and John's technique And similarly today, when people are healed, it's the power of Jesus, not our technique. In verse 12, if you take a look, 
in the text. In verse 12, after the man is healed, there, there's this commotion, right? People are wondering, what, what just happened? We know this guy. He, he's that guy that never walked and now he's jumping and leaping. What happened? And, and Peter, he, he sees the people, the crowd, they're in wonder and amazement and, and he tells them what happened. He tells them what's going on. He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? You see, what Peter is seeing is, is the tendency that we have to, to latch on to, to a person that we see in front of us. Maybe they're a gifted individual, uh, maybe they're a good speaker, um, maybe they're whatever, right? And Peter is like, whoa, you think we did this? You think we made this happen by our own power or our piety or our, you know, our godliness? And then he sets the record straight. He goes on to talk about how the God of Abraham, i.e. your God, the God that you're coming to worship in this temple has glorified his servant Jesus. And he talks about the fact of the death and resurrection of Jesus, how God's king was crucified, but he was raised from the dead. He bears witness to the resurrection and he says, we saw this with our own eyes like, and we're here telling you this happened. And then in verse 16, he says this, by faith, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. And then notice in verse 16, Peter actually repeats what he just said for emphasis. He goes on, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that is Jesus that has completely healed him, as you can all see. You think Peter's trying to make a point? We all face the temptation of placing our hope in a certain gifted person, of looking to someone who seems to have a gift who can meet our need here. And here we have probably the most prolific Christian leader in the history of the church, the apostle Peter. And he is telling us so plainly, it's not about how eloquently you pray. It's not about how passionately you pray. It's not about us. It's not our technique. It's the name of Jesus. It's his power. And Peter isn't using the name of Jesus like a token magic word. You know what I'm saying? He's not using it like hocus pocus or abracadabra. He's not saying you've tried these different syllables put together. Try Jesus. He's not doing that. For Peter to call on the name of Jesus and, and for us to do so as well is to acknowledge and name Jesus's ongoing presence with us. That he's not dead, that he's alive, that he's risen and ascended and has sent his spirit, his personal presence to be among us. When we call on Jesus' name, we acknowledge he's with us, he's here. And when we call on his name, 
everything that is part of who Jesus is, his historic life, death and resurrection, his character, his goodness, his love, his holiness, his righteousness, it's like in the name of Jesus, it's containing his character. And he is present as the one who will act according to his good character. The character we see flashed out in the New Testament. That's good news. This is good news for us. And so as you come forward, the thing we want you to know is that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And he has authority and compassion to heal and deliver. What we bring, what, what you can bring, is just simple faith. Trusting that Jesus is good. Trusting that he knows what's best for us and that he's gonna put us back together. Maybe now or later, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, however he sees fit. Observation number four. Praise is the response. This man who's healed just goes like skipping through the temple, praising God. And other people are like brought to wonder and astonishment about it. So when we leave here, when we go, our response too is praise. Praise and astonishment at who God is and and what he's done in our lives. So when it comes to healing, we don't have the full picture and we don't have all the answers, answers about when God plans to carry out his will to heal in our lives, questions about what it is that he wants to heal today and questions about how he's gonna do that. In the area of healing, we enter into mystery and it's a mystery that's contained in Jesus's gospel that there's this kingdom that has come near, but it's a kingdom whose, whose fullness we have yet to see. It's the mystery that we enter in the already not yet kingdom of God. What I do know and what I can say to you this morning is that when we come to Jesus and we bring our brokenness honestly to him, he will never turn us away. What I do know is that he's good and that he loves us. And what I know is that the scriptures call us to come to him and ask for healing. So if you come forward this morning, all you need to bring is simple trust that God is who he says he is and that he's at work redeeming the world and you and I along with it and that he does indeed intend for us to be whole and well. That's the invitation that's before us this morning. But first, we're gonna come to this table and we're gonna take the bread and the cup and we're gonna remember what God has done to bring about the healing of our lives and the healing of our worlds.